Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. In his essay, The Subject and Power, Michel Foucault is going to make a really important distinction for understanding his works, but I would also say for understanding how power works, about the ways in which power relations take shape. And I would say in the ways in which they're imposed, but that already is to import a kind of viewpoint or a set of assumptions on power relations that tends to make them into relations of domination as opposed to the other modes or modalities of power relations that he's distinguishing. And so he talks about three types of struggle against power, and this means against power relations. What are these? Against forms of domination, against forms of exploitation, and against forms of what he calls subjectivity and submission. And we're here just going to call it subjection, right? So these are distinct from each other. And if we don't maintain at least the conceptual distinction between them, we're liable to blur them into each other and thereby to mistake the ways in which power actually works and the relationships that set it up. So he tells us that these can be isolated or they can be mixed together. So for example, you could have a set of power relations in which all three of these are present and probably reinforcing each other. A great example of that would be, let's talk about exploitation and domination together. So think about company towns where the workers were stuck isolated out in some area. They really don't have any access to the the wider world and the company provides them things and the company puts them into debt essentially by bringing them in on the enterprise. There were many of these across the United States in the 19th and even 20th century. And things sort of like that still go on in terms of human servitude and trafficking as well. So the domination, it's backed by force. Somebody imposes violence or threatens violence to another person, right? And it could be, in this case, class-based. It's not usually the management who's directly threatening the workers. It'll be the hired police or security forces of the management. And then the subjection part could fit in there as well because it's not enough for you to be compliant and to produce and have you, you know, get paid much less than you ought to be paid for your work so that somebody else can derive vast profits from it. They also want you to, in some sense, be okay with it, to recognize it as legitimate. And now that could be gained by domination. Recognize it or I'll beat you up, right? Or it could be by tying you into the, the forms of exploitation. We're going to cut you in for a bit. So see, you're getting your little taste. It can't be that bad. But it can also be in terms of your own identity. You really don't deserve any better than this. Can't you understand that? Let's go to whatever it's going to be. Church, uh, information sessions, listening sessions, and one's identity that is one is being asked to participate in. This is where it becomes particularly insidious. Domination, somebody just imposes it on you. Subjection, you are supposed to make a contribution yourself. And so becoming institutionalized in that respect where you can't see things any other way and yourself any other way could, could fit into that. 
Let's talk about each of these, these forms. So he, he mentions a few different kinds of examples of domination, ethnic, religious, social, and he says that these were quite common in a, a lot of uh, medieval or feudal societies. So he says there's struggles against this, and, and what would the struggles look like? Well, he doesn't spell this out, but we could well imagine it could be of your ethnicity against the invaders who are coming in to take you over, right? One of the things that was kind of bad about the ancient, medieval, early modern world, and still today in many places, is you got other people who want to take over your area and maybe kill you, maybe turn you into slaves, subservient class or something like that. It could be religious as well. You know, there have been all sorts of cases where people impose a religion on others. Sometimes it's coming from who the rulers are. They say, okay, everybody's going to shift now from this to that. Or it could be religious and ethnic things tied together. Some group comes in, takes over. Now they are the dominant religious group and everybody either becomes part of that religion group or is subservient to it or has to recognize certain things. Then we can talk about social domination. You know, I mean, this still goes on today. Prime example of this is in how, for example, we treat the homeless. They are pushed off to the side, marginalized. Many people become homeless because of economic things, but quite often they're in fact sort of brutalized and treated as if they they don't belong anywhere. You know, they set up a tent city, cops come in, knock everything down, beat them up, send them on their way. They go to the homeless shelter. They may have to worry about domination by other people over them, including other homeless. And we could could come up with many, many examples of domination, you know, and, and how it's exercised. And when Foucault is talking about resistance to this or opposition to this, sometimes it's in terms of the legitimacy. People are like, hey, you shouldn't be violent. You shouldn't be doing this to people. Don't impose force. Use reason instead or persuasion. In other cases, it's more, well, I don't want that guy dominating me or that group of people dominating me or that church telling me what to do, right? So there's a lot of different varieties of this. And it could also be within a community, you know, within a religious community, we're going to punish you if you don't follow the rules, find ways to make life miserable for you, and then we'll threaten you with something else happening later on. Could be within ethnic groups, right? So it's not just ethnic groups against ethnic groups, it could be within it, and that typically does happen. Exploitation is more on the economic front, but it's not purely economic, right? And exploitation, as Foucault says, involves an individual separated from what they produce. So if you look at most societies, there's going to be somebody who is benefiting from owning the means of production or owning you know, land or owning other important resources or renting space to, to people. And it's more, way more complicated in our society where we have intellectual property and all this other stuff going on where you don't even own your software anymore coming from the big five, right? We just lease it these days. Exploitation is something that, that's pretty well understood at this point in time, but had to be, we had to develop an understanding of it in the the past. And then we have subjection. So let's take a closer look at this one. He tells us that we have struggles against what ties the individual to themselves and what submits them to others in this way. He calls this struggles against subjection. And the French word for that is assujettissement, against forms of subjectivity and submission. 
So what is it to be subjected in this way? It's not to be dominated as such. It's not to be exploited as such. As a matter of fact, there is something separated from you. It's an identity that somehow gets taken from you and given back to you. You are this kind of person, right? Because you said so, or you went along with it in some respect. And we can think of all sorts of examples of this. So if you're a student, you have a certain identity as being a student. And there's some things that are invested in that in your own self-identity, your, your emotions, the habits that you form. You might be a bad student and you don't study and they're not going to stay a student for that long, right? Or if you have enough money, you'll stay a student for a long time. But generally, if you're a student, there's certain choices that you're making. There's certain ways you're defining yourself. All your non-student friends are like, hey man, it's Friday, let's go out and party. And you're like, it's exam week. I gotta, I gotta study for what's happening next week. It's a little silly example there, but it, but it kind of drives it home. Why do you say, no, I can't go and enjoy this pleasant activity with you because I've identified myself in this way and I need to, to do this sort of thing. And much of our identity is not this pure thing that we just sort of come up with sui generis on our own, right? It's, it's things that we find in our culture and we take parts and, and we use them to make sense of who we are. But when we do that, we exist in a, a world of others. And so he says that this submits us to others in this sort of way. Now, it's very interesting that he tells us that, uh, he says, I think in history you can find a lot of examples of these three kinds of social struggles, as we saw, either isolated or mixed together. When they're mixed, one of them most of the time prevails. So if there is subjection, exploitation, and domination all tied in together, It'll still be primarily about subjection or primarily about exploitation and primarily about domination. And these others will be reinforcing it in some way, although sometimes going against it in some way as well. So he tells us that in feudal societies, what we see a lot of is domination. It doesn't completely go away, of course, right? As a matter of fact, you could say that one of the key things in a lot of resistance and liberation movements of the present is reacting against the fact that domination still exists. If you think about the complaints, quite legitimate, by feminists about how they're treated in the household by chauvinistic men, very often that's, you know, saying, I don't want to be beaten up. I don't want to be raped. I don't want this sort of stuff being done to me, and I don't want the, the person who's physically more powerful to get to manhandle me in that way. That's really protesting against domination. It could still involve exploitation, being told that your, your work that you're doing in the household doesn't matter. I'm the bread earner, therefore I get to make the decisions. It could also involve subjection. Better like not just go along with this, but I want to see you smiling. It, but domination is the key element there. Whereas in other cases, it might be subjection that's really driving it. And as we say, there's the iron fist in the velvet glove. That's the domination part and exploitation. You know, let's say you're in a relationship in one of these enlightened tech companies and they're paying you well and you have to take on certain viewpoints about whether you can unionize or not unionize, whether unionization is a good thing and about whether tech companies ought to have the sort of power that they have. Well, that's, that's essentially subjection. You should dress like somebody who actually believes this set of mantras. Well, if you don't do that, then, you know, you're not going to get good performance reviews and, and it'll be more exploitative when you work there and security will kick you out. We could go on and on. 
So he says that historically feudal societies have really been uh, the struggles have been primarily against forms of ethnic or social domination. Although economic exploitation could have been very important among causes of revolt in the 19th century, in industrial society, the struggle against exploitation came into the foreground, and not just with Marx. If you actually know your history, you know that the 19th century was filled with social reformers. All sorts of movements. Marxism just turned out to be the one that became the the most popular, persuasive, and and effective. But there are all these other things where people are like, "Man, this exploitation sucks. What are we going to do about it?" Right? And then he says, nowadays, the struggle against the forms of subjection, against the submission of subjectivity, is becoming more and more important. Even though the struggles against forms of domination and exploitation have not disappeared, and he says, quite the contrary. That those are still out there, but now this is where a lot of our focus is. And he goes on and he says, "This is not the first time I think that we've been confronted with this kind of struggle." And he says, "All those movements that took place in the 15th and 16th centuries, which had the Reformation as their main expression and result, should be analyzed as a great crisis of the Western experience of subjectivity and a revolt against the kind of religious and moral power that gave form during the Middle Ages to this subjectivity." The need to take a direct part in spiritual life and the work of salvation and the truth that lies in the book—all of this was a struggle for a new subjectivity. And you could say, "Oh, yeah, but wait! I thought religion was about domination of you know one religion over another, like Catholics versus Protestants, or Lutherans over Reformed, or Church of England against Quakers, or whatever it's going to be." Well, yes, that's involved. But why are they trying to dominate each other or, or to escape domination? Because they're also trying to escape a form of Subjection that's being imposed using domination. So this is not something radically new, but we encounter it in all sorts of other modalities, much less typically in a religious modality, and much more now in terms of ethnicity, or in terms of social class, or in terms of gender, or in terms of all sorts of other things. And he says, you know, I, I, I understand there could be objections to this. We can say that. All types of subjection are derived phenomena. They're merely the consequences of other economic and social processes. And he says, you know, there's something to that. Their mechanisms cannot be studied outside of the relation to mechanisms of exploitation and domination. But they're not the terminal of more fundamental mechanisms. They entertain, as he says, complex and circular relations with other forms. So there's a, a its own, you could say, reality. To subjection as a way in which power is exercised on and through us in power relation, and we want to be able to distinguish between these, even though in real situations they're often tied up with each other in quite complex ways. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to Patreon.com/sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.